Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. started last Sunday called The Winning Family. And uh, last week we started out with something that I felt was really important to serve as really a foundation and a baseline for what really the, the heart behind this message series is all about. Because I really just feel like a lot of families today feel like they are losing the battle. They're losing spiritual, maybe moral ground, relational ground in their relationships, specifically in their marriages, in their home, with their kids. The families are under attack. And as a result, it'd be easy for the devil to say, I'm winning and you're losing. But I wanted to remind everybody last week, we haven't lost. In fact, we've already read the last chapter and we know who wins. Amen? We are winning. And we, we have won the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. But I think today, families feel overwhelmed. They feel defeated sometimes intimidated by so many things that are coming at them. And I wanted to remind everybody last week, foundationally, as we looked at Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that God has given us a future and a hope. He has a plan and he has a purpose for our lives. And so regardless of where you've been, what kind of mistakes have been made, regardless of what kind of setbacks, what kind of challenges, what kind of situations or circumstances you've maybe even encountered, or maybe you're walking through, I want to remind you once again that God has a plan, He has a purpose, He has a future, and He has a hope for your life. Yesterday ended last night. Hey, tomorrow's pages are blank. That means right here, right now, today, in Jesus' name, we have new beginnings in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? And so with that in mind, knowing that, I want to share with you something else that I think is extremely important when it comes to really foundationally to establish a winning home, a winning marriage, a winning family. And this is a message today that I was sharing with my wife, Michelle, and even on the way here this morning, just, this is something I'm so passionate about. I mean, if you just, <laughs> if you cut me open, I'd probably bleed this topic because I have, um, Michelle and I, we, we will be married for 32 years uh, in June. We have three uh, kids, adult children now, that are all faithfully serving the Lord in their, in their lanes, in their sphere of influence, in their sphere of calling and, and what God has called them to be, to be and do. But I've seen this for so, so many years, working with you know, so many families, so many couples, individuals. And so whether it's somebody who's thinking about married, getting married, uh, somebody who maybe has been married but maybe has gone through the, the heartbreak and the tragedy of divorce, uh, those who have been maybe reunited, got remarried, um, maybe found a new spouse and maybe a blended family situation have come together and, and uh, new beginnings have formed and new relationships, new opportunities, new future, all those things. When I look at our young people, I look at the landscape of what's going on in our world and our culture today. I just wish sometimes I could just get everybody together in a room. And that's what we're doing right here, right now. And I wish I could just spill my heart out and just say, you know, there are some foundational things 
that we really, really need to keep close to our hearts and minds. And there are some foundational things that I believe God wants to use in our lives to help us win, to help us live out God's plan, to fulfill His purpose in and through our lives, through our marriages, through our families, through our homes. As I've stated many, many times, so goes the family, so goes the church. So goes the church, I believe, so goes the rest of the world. So if we want to get our, get our churches healthy and get our churches right, we've got to get our families healthy and get our families right. And I think there's some things that, unfortunately and sadly, have eroded and corroded a lot of the foundational things that God intended to hold up for the family. And so today I want to just share my heart with you, and I really want you to hear my heart I want you to hear a sermon. I really want you to hear my heart behind the message today. But the only way I know to help you better understand what I'm going to talk about today about winning values is to invite you to participate with me. So I need everybody to stand to your feet. Everybody just stand to your feet. Because regardless of what you might know or what you might maybe read, what you might hear, the truth of the matter is, is that we are living in some very unusual times. <laughs> Probably more bizarre in my lifetime than I've ever honestly can even recall, remember. But we're living in some unusual times. And to kind of give you a little bit of perspective and somewhat of an understanding of kind of what we're going through right now. Here's what I want to ask you to participate in. I want everybody right now, just right where you are, I just want you to, are you standing, just want you to Close your eyes. Just close your eyes for just a second, okay? Just close your eyes. And what I want you to do, as you're closing your eyes, I'd like for you, without looking, don't open your eyes, just close your eyes, without looking, I'd like for you just to turn your body right now in the direction that you think, that you feel, is facing north. So, Right now, just turn in the direction that you feel that you think is facing north, okay? Now, what I want you to do is I want you, if you think you are now standing in the position that is facing north, I'd like for you right now to just hold out your arm, and I want you to point in the direction that you are, that you're actually facing towards right now, okay? Now, I want everybody to, you're probably poking somebody in the eye possibly right now, okay? I want you to open your eyes real quick. Just open your eyes. There's a lot of confusion in this place, right? Total chaos in this room right now. Man, we don't know right from left, left from right, up from down. I mean, we are in total confusion. So, everybody look at me right now. You want to know where true north is right now? It is that way, okay? Just so you know, just so you know, that's not my opinion. You can check your compass on your phone, all right? You can have a seat. I just proved my point. We're living in a day and age where everybody has a, an opinion, right? Everybody has a perspective. Everybody sees life from a perspective through the lens from 
the feeling of a certain belief or opinion when it comes to what they think and what they feel is right. But it's kind of like in the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 17, what's interesting is that there was a time in history, in Israel's history, where the Bible says in Judges where they had no leadership, there was no king, and because there was no king, the scripture says every person did what was right in their own eyes. So basically, it was wheels off, it was chaos, it was confusion. Everybody just lived the way they wanted to live, based on what they felt, based on what they what they believed based on basically what was right to them. That's exactly where we are today. In our modern culture, we're living in a day and age where pretty much that's the norm. That's not the abnorm. No, that has become the new norm where there is no longer any objective standard for right or wrong. There's no longer any objective truth. Truth has become more subjective. It's it's basically more situational, it's more of a personal feeling, more of a personal opinion based on what perhaps we think is right and what we think is wrong and what is right for us. And it doesn't really matter what is right to you or what is right to me. What matters is how we feel about what is right and what is wrong. And so that's basically the foundation that right now our world is living upon. That's a pretty shoddy foundation. That's a fragile foundation. That is a foundation that has a lot of flaws, a lot of cracks, a lot of inconsistencies, and quite frankly, a lot of hypocrisies that are built into it, right? And yet that has become the norm. And sadly and unfortunately, in fact, in, uh, just in 2022, year, year before last, Gallup survey reported that 50% of Americans in the U.S. now say that moral values moral values are at the worst in all of American history 50% 50% said that right now it has never been worse than what we're experiencing what's interesting Gallup went on to say when asked about the future 78% of the American people said they only believed it was going to continue to get worse. Well, that's not very encouraging. And yet, at least there are people out there that are beginning to recognize that, hey, what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what's being experienced isn't working. Barna Research said that one out of every five parents that they surveyed basically now admit that they're they don't feel as though they're doing a good job when it comes to training their children on spiritual and moral issues. They're succeeding in other areas, but they feel inadequate and feel like they're losing ground in teaching their children strong spiritual and moral values. And when they use 15 different parenting indicators to determine the performance of these parents, spirituality and morality ranked at the very bottom of the list. And what that tells me is that you now have a generation of parents who perhaps did not, they were not raised in a situation, they were not maybe exposed to healthy, strong, spiritual, moral examples and role models, so therefore they're in the process of raising their children today somewhat in the dark. 
So it's kind of like the old saying, the blind leading the blind, in the sense that they're doing the best they can with the tools that they have. But sadly and unfortunately for many, they feel overwhelmed, confused, because they don't even know what they believe. But yet at the same time, they feel that there is something that's missing. And they're looking for guidance and direction because they know that teaching spirituality and and teaching morality is important. It's It's vital. But again, many feel inadequate. And they feel as though they don't have the tools to help them succeed in teaching those things to their children. Barna also, in his research, discovered that according to Gen Z, excuse me, when, when, when surveying and looking at what is referred to as Gen Z, basically your, your middle school, your high school, your uh, college students. What's sad and unfortunately is only, only 4% have what is considered to be a biblical worldview. So roughly around 96%, if that even is close to being factual, 96% of today's generation of youth, 96%. They don't look at life, they don't make decisions from a biblical perspective. They're making their decisions based on what popular culture is basically teaching them. What popular culture is doing. So what they see and what they hear being conveyed with the cell phone in the palm of their hand is basically driving them to be who they think they should be or what they feel like they should be and what they feel is right and what they feel is wrong because of what they see and what they hear that is consuming their minds. And as a result, spiritually, immorality issues are no longer at the forefront of their life because they don't see anything they do through those lens. And so we have, as a family, we have a lot of ground that we need to make up because there are some things foundationally that we must do in order to win the spiritual battle. Listen, we got to begin by laying a strong, healthy, firm, unshakable foundation that is built on truth, the truth of God's Word. So that's the reason why we need some winning values because unfortunately the values of our world today have been thrown out the window. You say, well, what is morality? Let me give you a definition. Morality is the belief that certain behaviors are right and acceptable and others are wrong. What is, what are values? How do you define values? Well, values are the beliefs, the guiding principles, the standards that are considered most important to an individual. They serve as the compass. They serve as the true north of our lives. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, preached, taught, communicated, perhaps what is often referred to as the greatest sermon of all time, known as the Sermon on the Mount. It was really cool when we had the opportunity to stand in that, that area where Jesus stood. There on the mount, there overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Absolutely incredible, incredible moment. That's the reason why we want to take people to Israel with us. 
And I encourage you to come to our interest meeting next Sunday night. Just learn more about it and how you could be a part of a, I'm telling you, an unforgettable experience. We have a number of people of our, from our church that are already committed to going. We're so excited. But as I was processing that, thinking about that moment where Jesus stood, he was gathering initially with his disciples. He was speaking to a group of his followers. But he was underscoring something to them that he really wanted them to understand. And just how important it really was that they not only embrace what he said, but most importantly lived out what he taught them. And so when you look at Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, which is all the Sermon on the Mount, basically what Jesus talked about were life principles, behaviors, situations, circumstances that basically as we as, as believers, these are the way we should approach these things. This is how we should live. And so some of the teachers of the day, the scribes, the the teachers of the law, if you were to theme out what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you could theme it as true righteousness. He wanted them to understand what true righteousness looked like. He wanted them, them to understand not only what it looked like, but ultimately what it was. Because there was some confusion. Because the religious leaders of the day, what they were doing is they were basically talking about external righteousness, which was based on the law, the law of Moses. So they were just totally focused on the outward aspects of one's behavior from the standpoint of you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to be this, you got to be this, you got to be this. That was true righteousness. It was all based on how well you did of living up to the, the laws of Moses. But Jesus challenged that. And the reason why, because he said true righteousness is not on external righteousness. No, true righteousness is on internal righteousness. It's not an issue of what's going on on the outside. It's an issue of what's going on on the inside, the heart. Because what he wanted them to understand, what Jesus was focused on, was their character. What the religious leaders were focused on was their conduct. But what Jesus wanted them to understand was this. Conduct always flows out of character. So you got to understand, if somebody has got conduct flaws, it's because there are character flaws that are going on in their hearts. So Jesus wanted them to understand that, listen, if you want to be a person who's living out of the heart, if you want your your conduct to be true righteousness, to be truly reflective of the holiness and the righteousness of Christ Jesus, who he was, then what we have to do is we have to examine the heart. And so Jesus goes on and he teaches, and then he wraps it all up by saying this, giving an illustration in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. He said, everyone who hears my teaching... And notice, there's a difference between just hearing and there's another in applying. He said, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. 
And when the rains fell, and the flood came, and the fierce winds were beating upon his house, notice, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came with the wind and the waves beating upon the house. In other words, when all the trials and the temptations and the confusing messages and all the things that were threatening it and challenging it and coming against it, notice what happened. It collapsed and it was swept away. Why? Because it was built on a faulty foundation. So Jesus is basically helping us understand that, hey, if you want to live your life On a firm foundation. If you want to win. If you want your marriage to win. If you want your kids to win. You want your families to win. Hey, if we're going to win when it comes to succeeding and fulfilling God's good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives. Then we got to do it God's way. And we got to build our lives on a firm, unshakable, unmovable foundation. So let me give you three things that I think are so vitally important when it comes to building winning values in our lives. Number one is this, is we got to define the source of our beliefs. We got to define the source of our beliefs. Why? Because that is the key to building an unshakable, strong foundation. Most people today, sadly and unfortunately, they don't know what they believe, nor why they believe it. And that is the reason why we get tossed in one direction to the next. Whatever's popular, whatever's hot, whatever's not, we just go with the flow. Because we're not building on a firm, unmovable, unshakable foundation. Because we're not building everything on our source of beliefs. So the million dollar question is, is well, 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 well what is the source of our belief? I like to say it this way, what are the voices that we're listening to? Because Jesus said, everyone who hears my teaching, everyone who hears my voice and applies it. So there's a lot of voices. All you got to do is just, I mean, from YouTube to, you know, Twitter to Facebook to, you know, TikTok to Instagram, you name it, everything in between, everybody's talking. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has a belief. Everybody has a perspective. Everybody is saying this is right. This is wrong. Well, this is the new norm. Well, this is the way things are going to, this is the progressive approach. So everybody's got an opinion. (laughs) But the problem is, again, we have to define the source of our beliefs. What is right? What is wrong? What is acceptable? What is unacceptable? What is true? What is a lie? We have to define the source of our beliefs. Now there are three things that shape our beliefs. Number one, that I think sometimes we underestimate, is what I just emphasized, and that's popular culture. And that includes social media, Hollywood, 
music, you know, everything that obviously is going on in our government, agendas, ideologies, opinions, perspectives, all these things, these are the voices of our culture. And you know and I know, if you're a parent, you know that is what is shaping the belief system of your children. That's exactly what the agenda behind the messages are, is that if they can get kids to basically say there is no right or wrong, there is no absolute truth, that is all a matter of one's opinion, is all a matter of one's feelings, it is a matter of what is right to an individual, well then guess what, anybody can live the way they want to live without facing any form of consequences. We don't need to focus on what's going on in the White House. We don't need to even focus on what's going on in the schoolhouse. In fact, I'm going to be, I'm just going to tell you like it is. You shouldn't even worry about what's happening when it comes to everything happening in this house. What we need to be focused on is what's happening in our house. Because, listen. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of pastors and preachers today that are very popular. They get a heck of a lot more likes, they get a lot more views, and they got a lot more followers than I got. But I'm telling you, they are not speaking the truth from God's word. They're gaining more followers by lining up in some gray areas because they don't want to alienate or offend or turn anybody away. So I'm saying all that to say we got to define what is the source of our beliefs. It's so vitally important because popular culture is powerful. We got to know what we believe and why we believe. Another reason why a lot of people struggle with their source of belief is because a part of their beliefs have been shaped and formed not just from popular culture, but also their family. The way they were raised. Some of you, as I mentioned a few moments ago, maybe you, you didn't have healthy role models. You didn't have strong, godly, biblical mentors and examples in your life growing up. And so as a result, you feel as though there's a hole. There's, you know, there, you don't have that foundation in your life and it's something you long for. But sadly, you, you just didn't have that. And so you're starting your life and you're starting from the ground floor trying to build that foundation in your heart and in your life. But what a lot of times we fail to understand is that marriage problems don't, begin in the marriage, marriage problems began before the marriage. Why? Because of how we saw our parents handle conflict. How we saw our parents deal with situations and circumstances. So as we heard and we saw, we, we, we observed everything that took place, well that's the way we know because that is the default mechanism when it comes to how we see things, how we hear things, and how we respond, and how we actually make decisions. So popular culture has a big influence. The way we were raised has a huge influence. And obviously our friends. It's like the old saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Friends are like elevators. 
You got friends that you spend time with, they're either taking you up or they're taking you down. So we got to decide who do we associate with? Who are we allowing to speak into our lives? Into our lives. Are they speaking lies or are they speaking truth? Are they affirming the word of God or are they contradicting the word of God? So it's so important that we understand, again, the source of our beliefs. Why is it important? Because our beliefs determine our values and our values determine our attitudes and our behavior in life. In Proverbs 4 verse 23, one of the wisest men who ever lived, King Solomon, said it this way. Proverbs 4.23 said, guard your heart, notice, above all else. That means when somebody says, hey, above all else, that means that's pretty important, right? Above all else, I mean, of all the other things, above all, above all those things, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Why is it important that we guard our hearts? Let me tell you why. Because our minds will justify what our hearts believe. Did you get that? Our minds will justify what our hearts believe. One of the things that breaks my heart, and I know this is a heavy, heavy burden on many parents right now raising children. And I'm going to say something, and you may or may not agree with it, and that's okay. But I'm speaking out of experience with my own children. I'm speaking out of experience of speaking to over 2 million kids for nearly 15 years across the country and pastoring families for over 22 years. A lot of the challenges that kids are walking through and experiencing right now related to the emotional issues, the mental issues that they're going through. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear. All of the issues that many often, you know, will talk about when it came to COVID and how COVID exposed this and COVID did this. And, and all of that is true. We're not obviously diminishing the impact that has, the isolation, the disconnection, the alienation that our kids have gone through, and, you know, just all of the challenges that have come against them. But here's the thing I want you to hear. A lot of these kids, because they spend literally countless hours scrolling, looking, listening, comparing, competing, and then experiencing on a personal level, the inadequacy, the rejection, the humiliation, things that their friends say, friends who reject them, the bullying that takes place, the cyberbullying, the things that kids do that are so cruel and so vicious and so demonic that kids do to other kids, and things that they hear and things that they're experiencing. What is all of that doing? What is Satan's agenda? Satan's agenda is built around one thing. 
He is the father of lies. He has come for one reason, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he doesn't give a flying rip about your kids, about you, your marriage, your family, your future, your life. He could give a flying rip. He's got one agenda, and that is to take you out. That's all he cares about. And he will do anything and everything to destroy your life, your marriage, and your kids, and your family's future. He's relentless. He doesn't go on vacations. He doesn't take cruises. He doesn't take a break from being hard on people. He works around the clock from the beginning of time. And he won't stop until every person is under his control. So you got to understand something. What kids today are doing is they are believing lies in their heart. And what we see in popular culture today, it's no different than Romans chapter 1. In your spare time, just read Romans chapter 1. And all you have to do is understand that we're living in a day and age where the enemy takes a truth and he distorts it. He twists it and he takes the truth and he turns it into a lie. So what happens is, is that we believe the lies in our hearts and therefore the mind justifies, rationalizes. We find ways to make excuse. We find ways to say, well, even though it's wrong, it feels right to me. But that's why the Proverbs, again, Solomon said, there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. So we got to teach our kids and we got to help our kids understand that, listen, we cannot accept, we cannot embrace, we cannot entertain, we cannot dwell upon the lies in our hearts. we got to replace those lies with the truth of what God says about us. Because we will never live in victory until we understand the truth and embrace the truth so we can live the truth and dispel the lies. All right, I've gotten way off my notes here, so I didn't even start on my sermon yet. So again, we have to decide, what is the source of our beliefs? What is the source? I love what Joshua said in Joshua 24. He said, you know what? He basically just was in a situation where he confronted everybody, put everybody to an ultimatum. And he said, hey, you got to choose. You got to choose right here, right now. He drew the line in the sand. He said, you, gotta, you guys got to choose. He said, you're either going to embrace and worship the idols. And, and you're going to either go the way that is against God's plan. Or right here, right now, you're going to choose to follow God's way and follow his plan. He said, you can sit here and you can talk about it. You can discuss it and you can debate it all day long. I just want everybody here to understand for me and my house, right here, right now, I'm drawing the line. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So that's what we have to do. We have to decide where do we stand? What is our source of belief? Can I share with you who my source of belief is? My source of belief is in a person. His name is Jesus. He is the one who is perfect. He is the one who is right. He is the one who is pure. He is the one who is holy. And he is the very essence of truth. When Pontius Pilate 
the Roman governor stood before a, just a crazy crowd of people who were all demanding that they put Jesus to death. He knew in his heart he couldn't find any fault in Jesus. And here he was literally standing in front of Jesus, the very essence of truth. And guess what Pontius Pilate said? He said, what is truth? And yet in the moment he didn't even realize he was even speaking to the essence of truth. And what did Jesus basically say? He said, I came to bring truth to the world. He is the spirit of truth. Truth is a person. Truth is relational. It is built on a relationship with a living God. And God came to earth in the form of you and me, in the form of a person. And his name is Jesus. He is filled with truth. He is truth. He is righteous. He is pure. Why? Because that's who God is. And because Jesus is God, we got to understand that he is the ultimate source of truth. He said in John 14, 6, I came. He said, I, have, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So we got to understand there is a basis, there is a source for truth. Webster's defines truth this way. It is the fidelity to an original or standard. we got to understand that Jesus is the ultimate original standard for truth. John 1.1 says, and this is not in your notes. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for in him, Jesus, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, and all, it, it, listen, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. So if we want to know truth, if we want to build our lives on the source of truth, then we've got to build our lives on God. We've got to build it on Jesus. He is truth. And how do we get to know God? We get to know God through His Word. If you want to know the will of God for your life, get to know the Word of God in your life. So here's the key. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're, when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. So if we want to build our life on the unshakable foundation of the truth of God's word. Then we got to build it on the source of Jesus and on his word. Why? Because it is the basis of our belief. I gotta hurry up. I gotta wrap this up. Number two. So we gotta, number one, we gotta, this is so important. We gotta define the source of, source of our beliefs. Number two, we gotta decide the values that define us. Why? Because what did Jesus say? Notice what happens when we build our lives on the truth. We have a firm foundation. We have a firm foundation. We need to stand firm. Just like, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The, you remember that in the book of Daniel? 
they were taken literally from their homeland, taken into a foreign place known as Babylon, where we're living in a modern-day Babylon in many respects right now. And these young men, they were forced, they were, they were ideology, the culture was forced upon them, and they had to conform to the ways. But what did Daniel say? Daniel had purposed in his heart that no matter what, no matter what kind of pressure, no matter what kind of temptation, no matter what was forced upon him, he had purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. Why? Because he had already drawn the line in the sand and he had already established and he had already decided in his heart of hearts the values that were going to define him. Well, one of the things that I believe is so important today and now more than ever is we need to decide what is it that matters to us? What is it that we're going to stand for? And how are we, how am I as a person going to draw the line to establish what is most important in my life? How are we as a couple, if you're married, how are we going to establish values that represent not only who we want to be, but who we are now? Because who we want to be may be over here, but who we are today, this is who we want to be, this is who we want to become, and the reason why is because we want our lives to be built on a firm, unshakable foundation. So therefore, there are guidelines, there are guardrails, there are guideposts from God's Word that will help us if we build our lives on those principles. So whether you want to call it your creed, your code, you know, your core values, whatever you want to call it, call it whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, establish something that will serve as guideposts to direct you and guardrails to protect you in your life. It's so important. It's so, so important. Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But notice, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of the how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. I encourage you to go to thewinningfamily.com. As a family, download the value sheet that we've made available to you. I would encourage you to set aside some time, work through that as an individual, work through that as a couple, work through that as a family. And I would encourage you to narrow it down to a list of really no more than ten, but I would encourage you a list to at least maybe three to five to no more, like I said, no more than ten. But identify some words that matter to you. Identify some words that once again are going to become guideposts to direct you, guardrails to protect you, that represent who you want to become so that your life, your marriage, and your family will have some guiding principles that are based on character qualities that mimic who God is because once again, the inward righteousness, the heart, the character will help the conduct on the outside mimic everything that God is all about. Does that make sense? Because if we don't do that, and don't minimize that, don't think, oh, that's just, that's all corporate stuff. No, no that's conduct stuff. That's character stuff. And it would be great if corporate got in on the action. 
You know what I'm saying? It'd be great if, if, if schools got in, got in teaching about character rather than just all the other stuff. But at the end of the day, we've got to build our lives on the character qualities and the character characteristics of who God is so that we become brighter light. We can love better and we can shine brighter to a world that's living in darkness because those who are living in darkness, they don't know what truth is. But when they see true righteousness being lived out in us because of what is in us and it's flowing out of us, I'm telling you we can change the world with the hope and the truth found in Jesus Christ because they won't see us, they'll see Jesus living through us. That's why values matter. So we got to have a firm unshakable foundation so how do we get that we have to number one we have to define the source of our beliefs number two we've got to decide the values that define us and then number three we got to determine to live our values every day notice what Jesus said he said everyone who hears these teachings and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man I like to say it this way be be what you want to see. Did you get that? Be what you want to see. Our family established seven core values years ago when our children were younger. And Have we always lived up to them? Have we always been perfect? Absolutely not. But at the same time, we always came back to them when God would reveal to us. A lot of times, situations, circumstances would basically expose the fact that we were ignoring certain values. And it gave us an opportunity to go back and revisit those, and reapply those. We always found those to be that compass, that north that true north that kind of got us back to where God wanted us to be. For example, one of our core values as a family was faith. And you say, well, well, that makes sense. But what I wanted our children to understand, what Michelle and I really tried hard to instill in our children, and really as a family, where we embrace this and own this core value of faith, was to be played out like this. It's not enough to believe in God. The devil believes in God. The Bible says the demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. A lot of people, if you ask them on the street, if they believe in God, they'll tell you, yeah, I believe in God. But the more important question is, do they believe God? And that's a question you have to figure out. And that was a issue that I wanted our children to understand and appreciate and live out. Is that it's more than just believing in God. It's believing God for who He is. That He is who He says He is. He will do what He promises He will do. And in the midst of, it, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trials, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of 
challenges, challenges and setbacks, in the midst of pain, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of the storms of life, when all hell breaks loose in situations and circumstances around us, I wanted us as a family to understand that it is walking by faith and not by sight. It's believing God that he is who he says he is and he will do what he has promised he will do. He will get us through the storm and we're going to make it on the other side. It was just a value that we wanted to teach our children. Things like honor, attitude, being a positive attitude, things like that. These were things that we said, you know, these are going to be lines that we're going to draw on the sand. These are going to be the non-negotiables. This is our mantra as a family. This is what we're going to stand for. This is what we're all about. Why is that so important? Because I see and I understand the world in which we live enemy's agenda is to still kill and destroy we got to define what the source of our belief is we've got to decide what values are going to serve as our guideposts to direct us our guardrails to protect us serve as our true north that keeps us moving in the direction of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. And with God's help, by faith, we're going to determine to live our values each and every day. Because Jesus said, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. We want God's favor, God's blessings, His provision, His protection. Put Him first. Allow Him to be the source of our beliefs. He's the standard. He's the only one that's true, pure, righteous, loving. He's the one that we build our lives upon. He's the rock. He's the foundation. He's the one that wants to live his life through us if we'll give him a chance. I believe if we'll do it, we're going to win as families. You believe that? If we'll do it, we're going to win as a couple. If we do it, I promise you, listen, God is with you. He's for you. He said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Listen, he is in front of you. He's behind you. He's beside you. Listen, he is on your team. And God wants you to win. And he's given us everything he need, everything we need through his playbook in order to win the game of life. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I hope you heard the heart behind the message today. This is something that is so important. The enemy is trying his best to rob us from what matters most. And I pray that today, if you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're watching online, and if you're a follower of Jesus today, and 
And, and, and maybe you've gotten distracted. Maybe you have maybe gotten derailed from some things. Maybe you have fallen into some, maybe just into some areas in your life. You've allowed wrong voices, negative influences to have a negative influence and impact on your life, how you think, how you see things. Can I just encourage you today to come back to the truth, come back to the Word of God, come back to the cross, because that's where it all begins. It's just simply repenting, turning our hearts back to God, admitting our error, admitting our sin, admitting the fact that we have moved away from God's plan and purpose and just come back to Him today. And so as a believer, it's called confession. It's called repentance. It's just saying, God, forgive me. God, get us back on point. Lord, we want to move back to the center of Your good and pleasing and perfect will. We want to rebuild our lives, rebuild our marriage, rebuild our belief system on the truth of Your Word. Some of you here today, maybe you've never encountered that relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you're watching online and you're, that's missing in your heart. And I just want to encourage you, can you, right where you are, in the privacy of your heart, can you just today open up your heart and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life? If you've never done that, this can be the starting point of your spiritual journey and your relationship with the Lord today by inviting Christ to be the Lord of your life. You can say something like this. Just say, Dear God, forgive me that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again for me, Jesus. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. And from this day moving forward, I'm going to build my life on you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high as a testimony today? Just hold it high in the air, just saying, hey, count me in. I just prayed that prayer and I ashamed to admit it. And that's awesome. Thank you. God bless you guys. Wonderful. Anybody else? Maybe online, just say, count me in, count me in. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your your word, thank you for the simplicity, the clarity of your word. Thank you for how relevant and applicable your word is to our everyday lives. Lord, I pray that today we won't, we won't just be hearers of the word, but Lord, we pray that we'll be doers, we'll apply it to our everyday life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes and if you like what you're hearing it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends you can click on the share button take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and be sure to tag us at rethink life church to learn more about our church check out rethinklife.com until next time hey we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life